Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Sabah al-khair. Good morning, dear listeners. You're listening to Radio 3CR on 855 AM and Palestine Remembered with Robert Martin, Nasser Mashni and Yusuf Ahmed al-Rinawi. Palestine Remembered is Australia's only English-language radio program that is totally dedicated to Palestine. We'd like to welcome those listening on 855 and those that will join us on podcast at 3cr.org.au. Thanks for joining us. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Good morning, Robert and Nasser. Morning, boys. Good morning, listeners. It's good to see the team is back. The full, full compliment. It's actually been a while. It so, has. Yeah. So um, we um, are going to speak about three or four topics uh, this week. We will speak about the home demolitions in Al-Walaja in West Bank, Al-Walaja Village. Also, um, we have uh, an outstanding announcement that Nasser is going to tell us more about uh, the uh, reward. I'm not going to even mention the name yet. Um, And the despicable actions of America withdrawing money from the Palestinian aid. It's basically America's war on refugees. Mm-hmm. And we will end with another pleasant surprise. So uh, without further delay, we will start uh, with um, what is happening in Al-Walaja village. Israel is demolishing more Palestinian homes uh, in basically response to the steadfastness of the people. Um, and I believe, Robert, uh, this is one of the places uh, you have been to in your last visit to Palestine last year. I, I did. So I spent a little bit of time in Al-Walaja um, doing some olive picking. And so mm. I met a lot of the families which are, are close by. Tell us before we jump to the destruction, describe what you've seen. Describe the village. So the village, they've got some perfectly good homes that have been made for many, many years have been there. You're going down this very, very windy street. And on the right, uh, they've been deemed to be demolished. And as you go down you, down the windy street, you can see the hills where there's a lot of olive trees, a lot of spare land where people could use it. Uh, but typical in Palestine, seeing the kids run across the road and playing and having fun, uh, you know, and just happy people. Mm. And uh, so when, when I saw this on the news, because Israel demolished a minimum of three houses in the last week, uh, and you could see the families trying to protect their homes, you can see... Well, at one point there was 140 people in the homes trying to save them from demolition, but the Israelis threw multiple uh, stun grenades in there. They were dragging women, kicking and screaming out. I mean, it was just you mm. know, a, a full-on storm invasion. Now, these are homes that are being built on Palestinian land inside the West Bank. Um, uh, Palestinians need Israeli permits for, uh, can't get the permits. Um, They build because their families are growing. Uh, This village has lost 70 or 80% of its land over the period uh, since 1948. Mm. 
um, much of the land is now an Israeli national park to stop. That's what they've uh, deemed it an area which can't be built on. So the, the Palestinians can't build there. The, what were agricultural lands for this farming community have been stolen from mm. this community. Um, and now where we saw where you were picking olives only uh, uh, less than a year ago, Rob, th- those horrific videos that got sent to you from the, the villages. Yeah, it's, it's a horrible thing because they, these families have known that one day potentially this will happen. Last time when it did happen, which, which was a few years ago, the soldiers go in there, you know, they start at two or three in the morning and they ended up doing a number of houses. But the soldiers then intimidate the people, they laugh at them. Uh, and these Palestinians, they don't get given another place to go. And so you've got a mother and a father, you know, they're all families are pretty large trying to, to live together. They've got nowhere to go. Hmm. And the really sad part is that you can walk 200 metres away down the road and you'll see this brand new state-of-the-art fence that stops you from getting through. And you can see all of this land that they could utilise, but Israel has deemed it to be uh, uninhabitable because they need a green area, they need a park. A national park. And it just shows the the despicable behaviour and the horrendous way they look at Palestinians that they can do this. And they don't do it in a peaceful way. As you said, Nasser, they're throwing these stun grenades in there. They're fully armed people with, you know, the M16s, the Uzi. It's horrific, horrific. Well, the stormtroopers just, I mean, no regard for, for humanity. I mean, we saw pictures of kids sleeping in cars overnight because, you know, because of it. their home is no longer there. And also, in some of the cases, uh, Israel uh, doesn't determine the exact time of demolition. So they turn up and they give you a few minutes to leave the house. And, and in few minutes, you can just take out whatever, you know, you can imagine if somebody tells you that in 15 minutes, I'm going to, not even 15 minutes, maybe in 10 minutes, I'm going to demolish your house. But but those 10 minutes are the culmination of a permit or of a, a notice that was given five years ago or seven mm. years ago or two months ago or mm. 10 days ago. Once the permit is given, there's no longer any sense of security or uh, ability to plan or expect tenure in your own home that you've built with your own sacrifice, blood, sweat and tears. Mm. So, so – the, the this is part of their plan is to make sure people don't break sleep the tight. determination of people and mm. in most of the cases psychological you know, the, warfare exactly and the demolition takes place on the furniture and on the belonging right. of of poor poor and needy people and in this particular village only which is a small village like any other village in Palestine uh, eighty homes were demolished Already. demolished in the last thirty years just just on uh, so people have an idea. Ahed Tamimi, who obviously became famous for being arrested, that village of Nabi Saleh, 80% of those houses are under demolition order. And so any day, Israel can come through and demolish them. And so it's, it's a relatively common practice. Oh, no, that's t- it's I mean, disgusting. We've had Jeff Helper come to Australia probably on the best part of a decade ago, but Jeff Helper um, is the chair of the Israeli Coalition Against Housing Demolitions. And since 1967, it's tens of thousands of mm. homes. Mm. It's not 80, it's not two, it's not three. It's tens of thousands of Palestinian homes have been raised by Israel mm. um, to uh, make way for, for Jewish mm. settlement. That's exactly and what you're saying. And also to break, sense. like you said, the psychological, it's it's psychological, psychological warfare. Another depraved action that Israel actually does is rather than demolish people's houses, they give them the option to either do it themselves because they don't have the money to, have, to pay for the fine. And so to see these families demolish their own home to save money With their own is hands. just sickening. 
So uh, a message of solidarity to the people of Walaja and to all the people in Palestine who show unbreakable steadfastness against uh, this brutal uh, occupation. Uh, next is uh, UNRWA. UNRWA is the United Nations Relief and Work Agency, a UN body that was founded in the early 50s to provide education, health care to the newly born Palestine refugee problem back in the late 40s, early 50s. Well, we should say, Yusuf, in fact, UNRWA initially was also charged with the responsibility of Jewish refugees, not just Arab refugees. Yep. It, it had to look after the Jews. Now, Israel accepted responsibility for the, for, for the Jewish refugees. But Resolution 194, which said that all Palestinian refugees must be allowed to return to their homes or be compensated as soon as practicable, this was a condition upon Israel's entry into the United Nations. And Israel accepted that condition. And they had to satisfy that condition before their entry. Now, mm. here we are in our 71st year of Israel being a, mem- a full member of the United Nations. Mm. Um, and it still has not to honor it. Now, since that time um, and the 750,000 Palestinians that were ethnically cleansed during the Nakba in 1948, today they, are, they number some five and a half million people. And, UNRWA, and these are the people registered in UNRWA only? Correct. These are registered. I'm not registered in UNRWA, nor are you. But we are genuine refugees. We are genuine refugees, mm-hmm. absolutely. Now, the reality is what, what um, Israel has been driving to do because they're worried about demography. Because, you know, if you celebrate God on a different day to Saturday – you're a threat, an existential threat to the Jewish state. Now, whilst the, these refugees have refugee status, and which means they should have a right, a legally defined right, to return to their homes and their ancestral lands, mm. whilst that exists, whilst they exist as refugees, excuse me, they pose a risk. Mm. So the delegitimization de- de- campaign has been ongoing for many years and it has been really accelerated under Netanyahu and Trump to say that, okay, you're a refugee if you left in 1948. Your descendants aren't refugees. Now, this is an absurdity because everywhere in the world, whether it be Afghanistan, Sudan, Congo, um, the, the, um, in Myanmar. Even in Bosnia. Everywhere. The, you, if you leave your children and grandchildren, they're refugees too. Hmm. And it's international it, law states that until it's rectified. And yeah. It's also it's common right. sense. It's, it's, it's enshrined it's in, in humanity, international law, that your descendants are also refugees of, uh, of their country. Now, um, part of Trump and Kushner, you know, um, Jared Kushner, Trump's son-in-law, part of their plan is to um, turn those five and a half million people into something of the order of 50,000. Mm. It's as little as that actual living descendants, uh, living people from 1948. Suddenly they say, okay, well, the right of return which is a, a core issue and something that no Palestinian can sign away for any other Palestinian. Um, there's only 50,000, and we'll let you go. Tick that box. Jerusalem's gone. Tick that box. This is your state surrounded by demilitarized, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, within, you know, a couple of enclaves in the West Bank. Box done. Shut up, Palestinians. Mm. I mean, it's totally unacceptable. And this is the, the thing they don't understand. The Palestinian right to return is inalienable which means it's something you were born with. No one can take it off anyone else. It is non-negotiable. It's historical. It's individual. Nobody can, no, I can't give my son's right away, mm. my own son. I can't give his right away. It is his to choose whether he goes Individual. home. Hmm. And what's perplexing is the fact that any Jew in the world, you know, if they're barely a Jew, they're actually able to go over there and live for the rest of their life and get sponsored to be there. And, and, receive, so, and get the Israeli citizenship upon arrival. So here's, here's a list of some of the Aliyah benefits. Yeah, 
free one-way flight and additional baggage, free transportation from the airport, uh, financial assistance six months from the time of their arrival, free health insurance for up to one year. Um, the earlier program for the young is uh, five months in Israel um, for, for a period of um, five to ten months. And up to ten, and within ten years, they get free open. Um, they get rental assistance for up to four years, customs benefits, university studies within three years, um, income tax benefits, income tax benefits, excuse me, for the first three and a half years. They get, uh, within the first seven years, property purchase tax um, uh, reductions. And for the first 15 years, they get mortgage assistance. Mm. Now, Mind you that most of the refugees who make Aliyah live in first world country, uh, like Australia, Canada, mm-hmm. France, America. And they, are, they live in, um, in a protected li- uh, way, unlike the refugees in Palestine who for four generations, for four generations, they have been enduring the suffering of uh, statelessness, um, worsening rights, especially in Lebanon, and we've seen, we've spoken on this show about um, um, the list that keeps going long, longer and longer Yusuf, when it comes to. Even we all know how horrific it is for a Palestinian and Lebanese refugee camp, let alone Yarmouk in Syria or Jordan anywhere. If you're a Palestinian Israeli, an Arab Israeli, as they're called, a mm. full citizen, mm. voting rights, and all those things, that person male or female, can't marry a non-Israeli and give them citizenship. My, my brother. Your brother. Yeah. Let alone, um, let alone some, a, a, a Jewish person from Romania or America or Australia, Britain, can go and get all of those benefits and marry someone and immediately as a citizen and enjoy all of those benefits. But somebody who can trace their roots back hundreds and thousands of years, who's indigenous to the dirt, can't marry somebody from... One kilometre over over the the, the mm. apartheid wall. Coming back to UNRWA, one of the great complaints of the United States is that UNRWA is poorly run. You know, the the budget is somewhere between one point two and one point five billion dollars. America gives three hundred million of it, so between a quarter and and a fifth of the total budget, America is not going to send any more because UNRWA is poor, poorly run. The reality is, America is in the you know in the very start of a ten year thirty eight billion dollar. Uh, grant program into Israel, $3.8 billion a year going to mm. Israel. Uh, on top of the billions of dollars they've spent in uh, wars in Afghanistan and in uh, uh, Iraq, $46 billion this coming year and uh, into Afghanistan, $13 billion into Iraq. To date, $753 billion in Iraq and $700 billion into uh, Afghanistan. They've spent $1.7 trillion, trillion. Dollars on those two wars, but UNRWA is poorly run. Mm. Now, UNRWA, with that $1.5 billion annual budget, which America supplies $300 million of, has, looks after 5.5 million uh, Palestinians, has 70-odd um, schools, 59 camps, 500-odd um, thousand kids started school uh, a few days ago for the also first year. Also medical facilities. Medical facilities, uh, infrastructure, hospitals, social services, and some food form programs, of uh, work-related uh, work programs. And... Most of the employees of UNRWA are Palestinians. Mm. So it, it, it's, you know, uh, part of our own Livelihood. indigenous civil society. 
So, well, the, thanks for providing the context of the war on Orwa because it is the right of return. And the Americans know that very well. And we've seen the Trump's administration, what they did with Jerusalem. So here we go. We have the rules of engagement of U.S. administrations to the so-called peace process. Uh, historically, well, we have the five major topics, Jerusalem number one, right of return number two, settlement number three, and then the water resources and then the borders. So here we have... Got re- gotten rid of uh, two of the five topics, mm-hmm. the, uh, Jerusalem and the refugees. So let's talk about the other three. Well, now, in should, light Yusuf, of... We should just stop. There might be two of the, uh, of the five, but they're the biggest two. This is the most important. Yeah. This is not two of the five. This is not only 40% of the, four, of, no. of the whole total. This is the most important and most sacred. The uh, number one the is number our one, right of return. Right of return and Jerusalem. And Jerusalem number two. And everything else can be followed uh, yeah. after that. So uh, they have gotten rid of these more the most important two topics and um, of course their definition of the remaining is that we have political entity in west bank and now we have another political entity in uh, in gaza uh, and then uh, they, so so no talk about statehood so it is a definitely it's definitely a war on right of return and it's definitely a war on statehood just on america is there have they given any more money to any other people on earth than israel um no, to no, no. to a second degree, part of the Camp David agreement with Egypt is that Egypt will receive something like three billion US dollars in forms of aid, uh, not in cash, of course. Some 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 will get agricultural or military aid, and this is part of the Camp David agreement between Israel and Egypt. There are other forms of aid, um, uh, uh, but but the no biggest, one near as close. No, nothing, and no one is near as close. Also, something that's very we've got to mention is that this action now, Kushner-Trump, what they're doing is rewarding Israeli uh, extreme unilateralism. So Israel said, Jerusalem's all of ours. It's supposed to be a final status negotiation. And they were said, done. Done. Um, Right of return, final status, you know, let's talk about it later. Done. Settlements, let's not talk about settlements. Done. So the the mentality of continuing to reward this unilateralism is emboldening hmm. the Israel uh, Israeli Knesset, the representative uh, parliament of uh, the constituency of the state of Israel, to pass things like the nation-state law to enshrine apartheid. Hmm. And the Jerusalem Affairs Minister she sa- she said, um, this example proves that when Israel believes in its path, and when the Israeli public unites behind our national interests. Ultimately, the world concedes the truth and comes to our position. This is now happening with the Palestinian right of return. It happened with the decision to relocate the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem, and it will happen in other areas if we show enough determination. Mm. And this has got to remember that UNRWA is, has a mandate that's given by the United Nations. UNRWA's mandate can only be taken away by the United Nations. The last vote was in 2017. It happens every three years. And the vote was 167 in favor of UNRWA and one against and uh, guess guess who? <laughs> and last thing on Onorwa, I was in uh, the talk uh, given by the top Onorwa guy in Australia in 2015, Mr. Pierre Cramble, and he started his speech uh, by asking the audience to remember the major events that happened since 51, because Onorwa started with the birth of the Palestinian refugee problem. And since then, he asked people to just think of major events 
And people started saying the Korea War in the 50s, Kennedy in the 60s, and then the American-Cuban missile crisis. And of course, the list goes on and on and on in the 70s and 80s and 90s. And in 2018, here we go, the Palestinian refugee problem is still bigger than it, what it, it, when, it, when, it, when it started. And this is, in fact, according to him, we cannot celebrate the anniversary of the birth of UNRWA because there is nothing to celebrate. Mm. The mandate of UNRWA will end when the refugee problem ends, and that is by return and compensation, not by continuing. So the Americans don't only to keep or, or, or to continue and sustain the refugee problem, they want to double the suffering of refugees by cutting the fund of the only source of livelihood and support. So um, you're listening to Palestine, remembered on 855 AM. And uh, Nasser, you have um, an announcement for us. Yeah, yeah, no, very, very exciting announcements. I'm very proud to announce that um, we have uh, announced the winner of the Jerusalem Al-Quds Priest Prize. So our first one, um, which will be uh, delivered on the 29th of November 2018, and this will be on the day of the International Solidarity. Day of Solidarity with the Palestinian People. And our inaugural winner is uh, Professor Emeritus Stuart Rees, Australian Medal. Fantastic. So Congratulations. Great. And he's a great friend of the show and been on We were before. lucky to have hosted him. Absolutely. And I'll read from the press statement that was sent out today. But can I ask you before you read the statement to tell us more about the prize? So the Jerusalem Peace Prize, its job is to recognize the inspirational and extraordinary contributions and devoted efforts of Australian humanitarians seeking to aid Palestinians in their call for justice. Um, and and by sharing their stories, by helping Palestinians, whether it be in um, in the arts or in refugee rights or in the, in the main sense, even from my point of view, in advocacy, mm. in legitimizing the, the Palestinian struggle for justice. He has the, all of that covered. He's done all of those yeah. things. He's an extraordinary human being and, and, and a great honor. So I'll, I'll just read from our um, press statement today. So... Professor Emeritus Stuart Rees, Australian Medal, will receive the inaugural 2018 Jerusalem Al-Quds Peace Prize in recognition of his persistent and courageous advocacy for the human rights of all Palestinians living in Gaza, the West Bank, Israel, the refugee camps and the Palestinian diaspora in general. The prize will be awarded by former Foreign Minister and New South Wales State Premier, the Honourable Bob Carr, at a dinner at Queen's Hall at Victorian State Parliament on the United, Day, United Nations Day of Solidarity with the Palestinian People, Thursday the 29th of November 2018. It'll be an occasion to hear Professor Rees deliver the Al-Quds Peace Prize lecture also. So if people go Fantastic. to JerusalemPeacePrize.com, they'll be able to buy tickets for that night. Um, there are early bird tickets available now, um, and they'll get more expensive as we get closer to the date. So JerusalemPeacePrize.com, go on there and buy yourself a ticket. Buy, In fact, buy a table. It'd be great. Bring nine of your friends or ten people. And uh, we'd love to see you there. Congratulations, uh, Professor Stuart uh, Rees. And I think um, this initiative, Nasser, uh, is a great reminder that the Palestinians under occupation or under statelessness suffering are not alone. On their, on their struggle, there are wonderful people, are wonderful people around the world who do so much great work for Palestine and for their rights. 
Uh, and these people need to be recognized because they've done that for decades, some of them, and they will continue to do that with no, with no, with no return. They will do that mm. because they seriously and sincerely believe in the importance of standing up to the Palestinian rights, to the Palestinian just rights mm-hmm. of self-determination and independence. So I really would like to thank those who thought of this initiative uh, it, it, it's great to acknowledge the efforts of people like this. So this is uh, an APAN and Australians for Palestine uh, initiative. And I want to uh, say thank you, Nasser, because you are a member of both of... Uh, thank you, Yusuf. I think uh, as, as welcoming as those words are, you know, we, we are humbled by people like Professor Stuart Rees. Absolutely. And when you consider, you know, um, the privilege that a white male... A white male uh, who a tenured university professor. What what is available to him from the point of view of, you know, access to restaurants, access to uh, thought leaders, access to uh, opportunities. You know, it's it's very easy as a university professor, a tenured professor, a white guy called Stuart Rees. Mm. To really just take a nice cushy road, bit of reading, a bit Enjoy. of research, a couple of papers, and just you know really live off the fat. Nice glasses of red, some good steaks, some international travel, a talk here, a talk there. Considering the alternative of supporting well, the Palestinians, the absolute opposite of that, you know, um, well the costs. The absolute opposite of that convertible ride down the coast. <laughs> Is because supporting Palestinians is choosing come, to support comes with a price. Yeah, it's not for free. It's a big and, cost. And I'm sure Professor Rees will talk about the challenges he had when he awarded the Sydney Peace Prize to Hanan Ashrawi. In 2003. And, yeah, and, and the challenges that he faced dealing with a very um, Zionist, vicious, vicious Zionist um, attack upon the integrity of the, the, the Sydney Peace Foundation – upon um, the very institution um, that Stuart had, had built the, uh, in, in Sydney University and upon his own personal integrity. Now, he never, ever bowed to that pressure, never before or after. And when considering what opportunities he could have had when he compares his life with his peers mm. compared to you know, the, 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 the life that he's chosen to lead. You could go faster and further without and, uh, support. <laughs> Well, this is this is the measure of humanity, yeah. Because mm. many people will choose the the easy life. And for this, really, we really uh, think that initiatives like this um, are great, and uh, to acknowledge the efforts of great people. Now, Yusuf, it's not often that we've got two pieces of exciting news, but today we do have a second piece. Tell us the, your news. Uh, well, I am very excited, and uh, the team we have in Anna uh, Minhunak, I am from there, the Arabic show on 3CR, are really delighted that this show will be aired in Palestine as of next Monday, and it will be 4 p.m. Jerusalem time. And I can't tell you how much uh, heart warmed and how much, you know, excited uh, we are, maybe a bit scared as well, uh, that our little initiative that we started on the 5th of April this year has seen this kind of uh, progress and success. And also to see the connection. connection. What's important before, well, why, be, let's not, uh, we need to tell our listeners just how big the connection is. So in five yeah. months, you're now on a radio station in Jerusalem, in Palestine, being beamed to Palestinians in Palestine. The show, I am from there, we are here in Australia, about Palestinians that are from there, two Palestinians, 
and we've got millions of listeners of this radio station. Yes, it's, like, not, it's not a it's not a not a little radio station. It's a proper big commercial enterprise. And we are very lucky to uh, be part of Raya FM in uh, Palestine, uh, and they, you know, uh, I think the connection between Palestinian refugees and the homeland. Uh, the symbolic meaning and value of that and the importance of the topics because um, from a Palestinian media in Arabic point of view, uh, there is a little bit of a gap in the representation of the news of refugees, especially in areas of conflict. And we've seen that in Iraq, we've seen that in Syria, we've seen that in sometimes in Lebanon. I don't want to say that there is absence of their of their news in Palestinian news outlets, but there is a little bit of underrepresentation in time of calamities, like we've spoken about Yarmouk two, two mm. w- weeks ago. Uh, so the the value of the content and the uh, connection between refugees and homeland is what made Raya FM take the decision and put the show as it is. So, I'm wrapped for you. I think it's fantastic news. Congratulations to you and your team, Yusuf. Thank you. I would like That's to mention uh, the name of Tariq Ouda and Dareen Fahmi, uh, my uh, co-presenters in the program, who have done amazing work for uh, in, in, in the lead-up to that. And we will continue, inshallah. And, and when is it in Melbourne, the, the show, so people can tune 10, in? 10 p.m. every Monday on 3CR, and it's going to be pretty much the same time uh, uh, simultaneously uh, broadcasted in Palestine, fantastic. in Jerusalem, in West Bank, in Gaza, in 48 areas across the historical Palestine. So uh, people in Palestine can tune in uh, 4 p.m. Jerusalem time. Nasser, uh, we're heading towards the end of the show, but... Um, we one have one more announcement. Yes. Yeah. So the Australian Labor Party is having their triennial conference, and at their confer- the national conference, what they do is decide the platform under which they're going into the next election with. Now, APAN has been working with our supporters within the Australian Labor Party to advocate for the next Labor government to immediately recognise the state of Palestine. So if you're interested in helping APAN to lobby um, union officials, uh, delegates, uh, Labor delegates, uh, members of the local Labor Party, branches, etc., go on to apan.org.au and we'll be holding some, uh, some training sessions nationally. Um, in each state to teach people what, how to effectively advocate for the Labor Party to recognise the state of Palestine when they're next elected. And based on current polls, Bill Shorten will be our Prime Minister in April or May next year. And what we'd like to do is bind him, bind him and Penny Wong to immediately recognise the state of Palestine. The current Labor position says that um, if there is no movement in the current negotiations, Labor will talk to like-minded countries and think about recognising the state of Palestine, which is just, you know... Very light, uh, broad. It's never going to happen. So with this, we have come to the end of another edition of Palestine Remembered. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Yusuf. Thank you, Nasser. Thank you, listeners. thank you all. Thanks, boys. For tuning in, and remember to tune in next Saturday, same time, 9.30 in the morning. Until then, this is us. Have a great time, and salam. Goodbye.